0: The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder... Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time I'm Scott Artis
1: and I'm Heather Artis
0: thanks for joining us for minute 18 of the Curse of the Black Pearl and I hope you enjoyed yesterday's bonus episode where we reviewed and broke down the trailer for the upcoming Dead Men Tell No Tales I know we've only got a handful of these under our sash so far but we hope to develop and bring more bonus content your way along with peppering in a few guests here and there so it should be fun And then I got the big sigh going on. We get our episode done, the bonus episode with the trailers. And what does Disney do the same day we release our episode? Boom. They hit us with another Super Bowl trailer. You know, they couldn't just wait, you know, or it couldn't have come out or a a little bit afterwards or before so we could incorporate. I don't know. It's just like, man, we just got done with the other trailer review. Now they hit us with a new one. So we'll have to get ready and put that on our schedule somewhere, because that one definitely is an action-packed, exciting-looking trailer. It has some cool music going on with it. We see some more supernatural activity, some ghostliness, some animals that are like that. It kind of brings us back to our capuchin monkey. <gasps> Ooh, probably shouldn't have said hey, that, because we're in the hey. minute. Spoiler. But yeah, so there's all kinds of cool things. Some Hector Barbosa action. Jack Sparrow actually makes his debut, so we'll hit that with some bonus content and a bonus episode. But man... Disney, the timing is just really poor with our thing. I should, You know, we should have guessed that the Super Bowl, that they'd probably have an ad out yeah. or, or do a trailer. That was poor timing on our part. But I'd rather blame Disney. But Disney, if you're listening, we love you.
1: Does, doesn't Disney listen to our podcast? Exactly. They should be doing
0: that. For sure. Let's get this thing going. So with that said, let's just clear the decks for some pleasant action. We got some celebrating to do. It's been an excruciatingly long process. There have been some missteps and spoilers. We forgot our own rules about looking to the future minutes. And at our own hand, we were forced to call the star of our flick Pirate, Mr. Smith, and yes, even Johnny Depp, just to avoid spoiling Captain Jack Sparrow's name. But with Minute 18, we finally have a name, Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow, actually. So the (laughs) lengthy run of 17 minutes is done, and Minute 18 brings us the name we've been longing for. Thank you, Heather. Now you out there can quit yelling at us and cursing our stupid rule about looking ahead to future minutes because we can finally get over it and just say, Jack, Captain Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow, whatever we want to say, but now it's revealed. Now that we got that out of the way, thought we'd tackle a listener question. One from Jason Strickland. He writes, Loving the show. I have two quick questions. Well, First of all, he should know us that I don't do anything quickly. I gotta have these long explanations. So be prepared for what's to come, Jason. First, since creepy theme songs are a thing, is the one young Elizabeth Swann sing count? Maybe the first time it was done in the movie. Second, whose side is Mr. Gibbs on? He is on Norrington's ship at the beginning of the film, then teamed up with Jack later. So is he just a pirate working for the Royal Navy? Maybe hired as a navigator? It's not really pointed out, and his Wikipedia page suggests he either leaves or is expelled. What do you guys think? So thanks for the question, Jason, and I'd say yes. It really does qualify as a creepy theme song. Well, let me start here. It's it's all about the tone and not the lyrics, because the lyrics, you know, are really kind of this combobulation of weirdness, if you will. Anyway, it's not really creepy stuff, unless you call what, rot, rotten eggs or really bad eggs, really I should say. Eggs. I should know since we had that as a segment. So I don't know if really bad eggs qualifies as creepiness, but it really is about the tone and the way it's, it's sung here. And the setting too creates an atmosphere as well. And I just can't separate you know the tone and the atmosphere from her version of this song. And when I say atmosphere, I'm talking about this unnatural fog. It's melancholy, the stillness of the water. It's not quite a dead calm, but for my narrative here, it really does fit it. So I'll just say dead calm. And of course... We have Gibbs immediately linking to the idea that it's bad luck to be singing about pirates. So, you know, if we compare this version of the theme park ride or the song to the theme park ride and to the drunken version that's, you know, Jack Sparrow and a grown Elizabeth later on sing, which is a bit more in line with what we see on the ride. You know, it really is a difference and it has that that tone that that really creates a whole new setting that we talked about uh, in in the movie. And I so I do think it is creepy to begin with. And we said that but now it really has traveled into theme song territory. And that is what I'm saying is because Pirates of the Caribbean attraction at Disney theme park ride classify it as the theme song for the ride. And although it's not say the musical score necessarily for the movie here, it does extend to theme song status just by sheer public notoriety. And it fits that definition of a theme song too. You know, the public sees it as a theme song of the movie, at least that's what I believe. And so if we were to Maybe have a person on the street interview asking the question, you know, what is the theme song for Pirates of the Caribbean films? They'd probably say it's a pirate's life for me. I bet you that's the first thing that comes to mind when we say song. For. It's
1: probably the only song that would they would actually. Yeah, because the of. other ones
0: are really more musical scores, yeah. and they probably won't know. But I think everybody can probably sing. It's a pirate life for me, or at least start off, "Yoho, yoho!" It's a pirate's life for me. I think that's probably pretty ubiquitous in in people that are at least fans of the movie, or who have even been to Disneyland or on the ride.
1: And at least a portion of it comes up multiple times throughout this. Movie. yeah
0: they do bring it in so it's at the beginning and then elizabeth and jack sing it it's kind of a drunken song he says he loves it and then it's at the end of the movie when he's kind of quoting really bad eggs yeah. and, and singing and humming to that and then moving forward and you know looking at that horizon or bring me that horizon so All of those kind of cool things that happen. And so when we look at theme song, though, you know, it really is this signature song. And I think it's become especially associated with all things Pirates of the Caribbean, actually. I do think, yeah, so creepy theme song definitely is my take on that. And then we get to whose side is Mr. Gibbs on? And now you've opened up a can of worms, or a can of expanded universe, if you will. So it's a great question, and we are, of course, bending our rule of looking ahead. But kudos to Jason for asking, since we have been in a Joshua Gibbs withdrawal lately. And I'm just glad you brought it up, so I can actually get back to Gibbs. So, here we go. Apparently, there are some things missing from the tale of Gibbs regarding his early years. But with the aid of the Pirates of the Caribbean expanded universe... We do know that he started sailing or started his sailing career with the British Royal Navy. Potentially, at least there's some fog there. So we're kind of assuming that maybe he did start that with the British Royal Navy. And I think that there's some intertwined destinies between Gibbs and Jack Sparrow that keeps them coming back together, even after some periods of separation. They always manage to get back to the whole pirate's life for them thing. And so I just wanted to throw that in as a link to the song that we were talking about because it sets up who they are as characters. So they get back to that whole, it's, they're, they're looking for a pirate's life. And I kind of see this as Gibbs' relationship with the Royal Navy as well in this destiny thing or moving back and forth because... Maybe it's his relationship with being a pirate. You know, he strays a bit and then he comes back. So I don't know if it's he strays from the Royal Navy a bit and comes back or if it's pirate. But I'm getting the sense that he's more pirate at heart and that's he keeps coming back to being a pirate. He kind of leaves it but then realizes that maybe the grass isn't greener or maybe it is. But that's where he wants to be either way. So at any rate, although he may have started off as part of the British Royal Navy, I think piracy, as I said, is in his heart. And he became friends with Jack's father, actually, Edward Teague. And secretly helped Jack and his father escape a Royal Navy imprisonment while he was a sailor. So... That's something he could only have done if he was part of the British Royal Navy. So maybe it does get back to your question: Was he hired as a pirate, or was he secretly a spy? I don't know. It's it's some interesting stuff that we can get into. But we do have a lot of mystic or unnatural fog covering this whole era of this early years. You know, because all of this is happening when Jack Sparrow was just a teenager, and it's in the the novels that that chronicle Jack Sparrow as a teenager. We have to look a little bit further. So according to Pirates of the Caribbean Wikia, which includes a lot which includes the expanded universe canon, Gibbs may have deserted the Royal Navy to become a pirate during those early years. And then he later returned to be, or later returned to the Royal Navy, which is actually where we pick things up in the curse of the Black Pearl and aboard the HMS Dauntless. So that's where we see Gibbs drinking and talking about to a young Elizabeth about singing about pirates and bad luck to have a woman on board, even a miniature one. <laughs> so that first outing with the Navy is interesting because he actually was serving aboard Lawrence Norrington's ship, and that's our Commodore James Norrington's father. Oh, really? So Gibbs started his career, his Lisa's Navy career, serving aboard James Norrington, or Commodore Norrington's father's ship. And then we see him pick up in The Curse of the Black Pearl serving aboard James Norrington's ship, which is interesting. But during the eight years which passed from the beginning of the movie to the film's present day in The Curse of the Black Pearl, it indicates that Gibbs turned to piracy once more. But this time it's not really known. And so this is where your question comes into play is what happened there? Was it desertion or was he expelled? And so the theories do include desertion as one that he finally just said, hey, I'm going back to piracy. He got expelled for drinking. We do see a clear shot of him swigging rum. So we know that's something that he did. Or was he lured away by Jack Sparrow? They had already known each other from his teenage years. Maybe Jack lured him back to be part of his crew at some point. When Jack was getting his own ship. So maybe that's possible. And then the other option. Or at least something that's been alluded to. Is that he was disgraced chasing pirates. Like, and this could be some spoilers ahead. Commodore Norrington's eventual fate in later movies. And so there's some dialogue that happens between Norrington and Gibbs that you can really interpret as maybe this is the effect. He said I think he says something to the to Gibbs about Gibbs is one chapter behind Norrington and Norrington is kind of fa- fallen from grace at this stage and so he's kind of alluding that Gibbs is also on that same course but hasn't quite, he's still a chapter behind where Norrington is at is that stage and so Is he a disgraced pirate chaser? Then we have this other last theory is that he was actually press ganged into the Royal Navy to begin with, which is forcibly enlisted. And so was he a pirate at heart? Was he doing some maybe things that weren't on the up and up? And they said, hey, you're going to be, we need you in the British Royal Navy. You're forcibly enlisted. And so that's why he wasn't really in, into being a Royal Navy person, which is kind of how I see things. So You know, and we see that just by his actions. He's not the typical, you know, regimented person. He's not following the rules. You know, he doesn't seem to have that chain of command or biting his tongue. He just kind of spouts off with whatever he said. And so my current favorite theory, and to finally answer your question after this long-winded answer of what I think, is that maybe he was press-ganged into the Navy, which accounts for his friendship with Jack's father, why he helped them escape, you know, this freedom of piracy is always in his heart. And maybe that played into his, his love for rum. You know, he just really liked drinking rum, too. So we see him swigging rum and later drunk with pigs. So I think that's the evolution of the Gibbs character. He was press ganged and then kicked out maybe for rum drinking. So, Heather, what do you think on Gibbs here?
1: I kind of agree with you. I would, I would go for the rum drinking also. He, you know, he, wasn't a, he doesn't seem to be much of a military man. He doesn't follow the rules completely. As you can see he's sneaking the rum and then he's um kind of speaking his mind. You know, exactly. and he just doesn't he's most of the other pirate or I'm sorry, sailors are keeping pretty quiet and just following orders, whereas he's just saying whatever's on his mind, you know. Exactly. So I don't see him as a true military man. I see him more as His fate is in piracy.
0: Yeah, I you know, it's possible. I know he does have a history based on the expanded universe that he deserted. At least he did from that first outing when he was on Lawrence Norrington's ship, or at least during that time period. So it's possible he deserted. But I'd really hate to see, especially if he comes back later on in this movie, that he has this kind of warrant out for his arrest for desertion. I'd hate to see him go to the gallows for this or in some cell or imprisoned all this time. So we'll just go with the cheery note that he was a drinker of rum and they said, You gotta get out of here. We just can't handle you. You're drinking everybody's rum ration for the day. So you're out. And then so he's free to go and now he'll he'll be out there and maybe available for Captain Jack Sparrow once again in the hopes that we see him in later minutes. So that's what I think Jason. Thanks for the question, but let's go with press-ganged and rum drinking, expelled him, and then the first time though he's he deserted and then we'll go from there. And then we'll see what happens. Maybe it's answered in later movies or some new expanded universe stuff that comes out, but we'll keep you posted. Well, now that we're in this, did we actually get started yet? No, not yet. <laughs> Welcome to the... No, just kidding. Anyways, (laughs) let's get going. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow rescues Elizabeth from her almost watery grave by removing her dress and is able to revive her by relinquishing her from her corset. However, I'm not a doctor, so this is not medical advice that works in the 21st century. I can't say that undressing women or removing their corsets is going to bring them back to life. So at least it it maybe worked in the 18th century, but 21st century it doesn't work. So like I said, I'm not a doctor. I only play one on the radio. He also finds the gold medallion and wonders where she got it just as Norrington finally arrives, drawing his sword and pointing it directly at Jack Sparrow, telling him to get on his feet. Minute 18 begins with Governor Swan asking Elizabeth if she is all right while proceeding to cover her up. The minute ends with Mulroy giving Norrington Jack's pistol, sword, and the rest of his effects to examine.
1: Wow. I have to say, wow. We finally get our our name we've been waiting for for 17 minutes now? Exactly. (laughs) Jack Sparrow. Yay.
0: Well, 17 (laughs) minutes for each podcast. I mean, we're talking for us. It's been forever. It's like infinity happened. We're in a time loop.
1: (laughs) I'd like to also point out in this minute. There are people rowing in the background.
0: <laughs> it's, we're going to create a rowing meme. they will be on land. We'll see people rowing in the background. Yes. It'll just be there. So. <laughs> we'll just kind of kick things over to Governor Swan. You know, first Governor Swan says shoot him for rescuing his daughter. Well, maybe more accurately to say for taking off her dress and corset. And the fact that maybe he looks like a pirate. He doesn't have any evidence that he's a pirate yet. Yep. But his daughter is there without her dress and his corset on. And so I get yeah, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but I'm thinking Governor Swan's like, shoot him because his daughter's standing there without her dress and corset on. And Murtaugh basically throws him under the bus, which I probably would have done too, because he's getting the he's getting the look. Like, why are you holding the corset? And he gives him the point, like the sly point, like, yeah. hey, <laughs> you guys can't see that, but I'm actually pointing with my thumb and doing the head wave over to jack so you basically and then that's when governor swan says shoot him it's like what the heck
1: <laughs> you just saved my daughter but shoot him
0: yeah you save my daughter now shoot him thank you <laughs>
1: yeah
0: it's like who's gonna <laughs> save anybody in your family again man
1: i'd like to point out that murtog actually threw jack under the bus twice in this minute oh really yeah with a corset and then about commandeering a ship
0: <laughs> that's right I, yeah <laughs> That is right. Man, Murtaugh. You know, they were so happy together, talk, and he heard the story of, and then they made me their chief. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait, no. Oh, that first one didn't work? Here, here's another one to, to just throw you aside.
1: Well, then Jack looks over at him like, what's up, dude? We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> what do you throw me under the bus for?
0: I guess. But, you know, and then it jumps from there. It's when the pirate brand is discovered on Jack. Jack. He turns... I know we're not going in order of how this minute things, thing, but we're on the topic of Governor Quick called to judgment here. Maybe that's what makes him a fine governor, I guess. But when the pirate brand is discovered on Jack's arm or wrist, he turns around and says, hang him. <laughs> it's like, my God. So he Jack just got a reprieve, pretty much a short-lived reprieve from Governor Swan. So it's like, hey, okay, shoot him. Okay, no, maybe we're not going to do that because Elizabeth, Elizabeth jumps in yeah. and, and says, you can't do that. And then... He sees the pirate brand, and all of a sudden, it's hanging him. And it's like, my (laughs) God, just literally seconds ago, because we're still in minute 18, he was going to be shot, then he got saved, and now again, he's going to be hanged. Man, Governor Swan is obviously not messing around here.
1: No, not at all. Well, his daughter is technically naked. Really? Well, yeah, per the times, you know, if you're in your skivvies or your (laughs) underclothes, you're I
0: thought you were going to say underoos there.
1: Under-roos. <laughs> you're technically a woman was considered technically naked that way, huh. even though I mean she's completely clothed. Yeah, there's a couple layers going on there, especially on her top yeah. part. But she she was considered naked.
0: So that's pro- that's why Governor Swan is like, oh, you're all right, and is starting to cover her up because it's yeah. like what is, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, because he
1: has no clue. First, he gives the murtog the dirtiest look in the world like what did you do with my daughter's corset corset, you know and then murtog points and then he's looking at jack and oh jack's dead because of it you know (laughs) forget it (laughs) you're gone dude you you stripped my daughter down
0: (laughs) yeah that's pretty brutal though definitely a quick turn from you know rescued to shot to rescued to next thing on the list is to be hanged yeah Given we're talking about this hanging thing, it's this short drop and a sudden stop. Again, coming back to Norrington and my favorite line on the really bad egg segment <laughs> at one point. But I was like, you know, why does it go from shooting to hanging? And, and this kind of gets more into the history of things, but and then starting to think about it is maybe shooting was a bit more humane and less painful than hanging. So, oh, probably the yeah. fact that Governor Swan first wants him shot. It's like, okay, here's the offense. He took off my daughter's clothes. Shoot him for that. Right. You know, let's get it over quickly. And then when it's a a pirate, it's like, oh my God, piracy. That's a a hell of an offense. Now we got to hang him.
1: Well, in the beginning, when um, Jack was coming into Port Royal, they were clearly hanging
0: oh, pirates yeah, out there the gibbeted pirates. so
1: that they could you know that's what they did to pirates basically pirates ye be warned you know
0: exactly they're gonna that's hang true.
1: you so just because he was a pirate maybe
0: yeah and so when we're talking about this short drop and then possible during this era that the type of gallows that were being used and at this you know 18th century is that because it was maybe a shorter drop as we were saying you know really you didn't really have this long drop or this long rope is that, you know, so it wasn't breaking your neck kind of deal, Uh is that death would be from strangulation. And it could last a few minutes, actually, or until they lost consciousness. So you could see them kind of wiggling around up there and suffering. And so it wasn't the most pleasant thing. So if you have somebody who's seen your daughter in her skivvies, as you called it, he's going to get shot, it's over with and done, there's no pain per se but hanging was like okay now you've done it you're a pirate you're gonna you're gonna feel yeah, it just and for we're being gonna a pirate, yeah you're done so maybe that was the uh, you know the pirate warranted the hanging as opposed to some of the other stuff so yeah. that's kind of how i took it and then we're kind of getting into norrington listens to elizabeth a little too quickly is is you know so when we're kind of stepping back into the middle of how he gets saved you know i'm thinking Wow, Norrington really listened to Elizabeth a little too quickly here. It's like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna shoot, him, shoot him and yeah. we're gonna say thanks and do that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I go, you know, we were right to be a little suspicious about him just listening to that quickly. Cause obviously he has a plan and an ulterior motive to really look for this mark of being a pirate. Obviously, he shows his prowess here and his cunning in dealing with pirates because he knows what to look for. And I think Jack looks taken back as well at first he's like norrington's saying okay i guess it's the thanks i owe you yeah and you can see jack kind of get that twitch like is this really what's going on he's like am i really going to be off this easy for saving her life which is weird because he should automatically be assuming that he's going to get off for saving her life just in normal society, yeah. you would do that. I don't care. You know, if you're a pirate or not, somebody sees your life. You know, you turn the other cheek. At least I think you yeah. would. Like, okay, you know what? We're going to let you go. But just don't come back to Port Royal.
1: Especially your daughter and your future wife. Yeah. You know? Just say,
0: okay, you have, you know, 20 minutes to get the hell out of here.
1: When, when the other two Marines, the Marines weren't even going to jump in because they can't swim. Yeah. So And
0: Norrington surely was letting he her, would, he He's running down it. from the fort yeah. up at the bluff there. so
1: There's no way he would have made yeah. it.
0: So I think Jack was like really taken back by that. But then the hammer drops when Norrington grabs his hand and pulls it forward and reveals the brand. It's like, uh, that's what he was doing. So he knew that, okay, I can't really shoot him for saving her life. We know that. There, we're even Steven. You saved your life. I let you off the hook from getting shot. Now I see the pirate brand. Oh, you're a pirate. Now we got to yeah. hang you. Yeah. So that it's like the loophole that that happened there. Yeah. Or our common, you know, our, in our legal practice now is you can't, there's like a double, you can't be charged for the same crime twice. So if you get off of it, you can't be charged again. Man, what? I can't <laughs> believe, I can't think of what that's called. Holy mackerel. It'll come to me after we're done, and then I'll go, you know, I just look like a buffoon on there. But anyways, you <laughs> can't be charged for the, for the same crime Double twice. Jouble, thank you. So so now he has he can't charge him with seeing or taking her clothes off, but now he has a whole new charge to to hit him with and and prosecute him as much as they did on the street there <laughs> already. So poor poor Jack.
1: So I had a couple of thoughts. When Jack kinda He holds his hands together and kind of bows to Elizabeth, you know, thanking her for saving him. Yeah, you know, I thought that was kind of really Jack-like. Yeah, I did. That's a great (laughs) point. Yeah, his mannerisms, just the way he is, kind of kissing up, but you know, he's he's got that whole thing that everything's going to work out for me in the end.
0: That's right. It, you know, I think it was kind of... A, all... It was a sincere look, too. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, a, a thank you. And that did really saved, fit with his character. I saved you.
1: You saved me. Thank you very much. You know, same type of thing that... Morals that he does, he has, you know. And then... I noticed he was, he seemed kind of reluctant to shake. Yeah. That's you know, it. he's like, uh, I don't, I'm not sure I should be doing this. You know, that's he, what I was trying, trying to say. Yeah. He kind of feared like that there was something there other than what he, you could see Norrington's, all, oh, thank you, you know, but Jack didn't trust that. Yeah. I think you he's know? pretty
0: perceptive on characters that we've seen and, and he, was, like I said, he was taken aback by the whole situation. And yeah. I don't think he quite knew how to take what was going on there. Yeah, And then was like, okay, I'm going to shake his hand. But then he's like, you know, why did I shake his hand? Yeah. I knew better. He, yeah. it's, like he, it's like he goes, I didn't trust my instinct. And then my first reaction was not to do so. And he was probably tr- coming up with a, he's looking at his Rolodex of excuses. Like, oh no, you know, my hand is, you know, contaminated yeah. or something. <laughs> where We can't shake hands.
1: Then he gets a squishy face like... Oh man, they figured me out, and he kind of <laughs> squishes his whole face up. It's kind of funny.
0: The one thing in that scene—did you see the marine directly behind Norrington when he discovers the pirate brand? He, he's out of focus. You can just kind of see his facial features, but if you, you got to look at it again, if you didn't, because so when Norrington grabs his arm and sees the pirate brand, and then you know says basically, you know, you've had a run in with the East India Trading Company, uh huh, and. You got to look. He's like, because this guy, this Marine in the background is like, ha, we just caught you red handed or pee handed, if that sounds right, <laughs> as it was. But he's got this really smirky look on his face. It's pretty creepy. And like, you know, <laughs> we gotcha. And in fact, if you look at all of these Marines that are standing there and the naval officers, they are a little smug at this point. They have oh, these there. crazy looks on their face. It's like, ah, oh, just another pirate captured and we'll be hanged. <laughs> It's a day in the life of Norrington's pirate hunting crew. Next on, you know,
1: maybe it's something that they chalk it up on the chalkboard. You know, another pirate down. Yeah, yeah
0: you know, exactly.
1: I, at this time, there weren't a whole lot of pirates left. Left, right?
0: Yeah, I think that he had done a pretty good job, from what we understand, is is getting rid of pirates in the in the Caribbean. Yeah, so. I
1: think wasn't it only like this crew and or something along those lines? I think so. But yeah, it was like, oh, we got another one.
0: Exactly. So, like,
1: they get bonuses for (laughs) catching pirates or something.
0: Maybe they do. (laughs) And then Norrington also starts with the belittling of Jack as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like he says Jack, or Jack says it's Captain Jack Sparrow, and Norrington says, "Well, I don't see your ship."
1: Yeah. (laughs) He's got this big old smile. Yeah. So
0: he's obviously along with the rest of his smirky crew. You know, the confidence is really taking over here. It's like I got you, and there's nothing you can do about it with your, you know, in, in this. He's that's his attitude right now. So he's all to hell with double jeopardy. We don't have to worry about that, even though it didn't exist back then. But we might as well start knocking him, verbally knocking this guy down and making fun of him. And Jack really wants, I think, that respect and notoriety because it's, you know, he's like, it's Captain, you know, because he looks at the tattoo and he sees the tattoo and he's like, well, oh, Jack Sparrow. And he's all, it's Captain. Well, Well,
1: Jack's very proud of his captain, (laughs) of his tiny little boat.
0: Exactly. (laughs) The Jolly Mon? Yeah. The the sunk one? Yes. Or he's well known enough that Norrington knows his name simply by a tattoo. I mean, that should say something. So at least he's got that down. I mean, I guess his reputation does precede him to some degree.
1: Yeah. I do have a thing on looks between everyone. You know, there's a lot of looks everybody's giving each other in this minute. And I found it kind of interesting just to kind of break it down. You see, uh, Governor. At first, Governor um, Swan is giving this wide-eyed, surprised look at Murtog with he's holding the corset. Yeah, he's got. I mean, his eyes are open wide, right? Huge.
0: Well, from what you said, that's basically like holding her panties in his hand at that stage. Put the governor right there.
1: (laughs) It's like, what the heck? Yeah. And then uh, Jack gives Murtog this. Look of shock and betrayal when he when he kind of points to him and says, hey, it's him, not me. <laughs> I oh, can take I mean, this off <laughs> <laughs> throw... He didn't want to be shot.
0: <laughs> you know, in the immortal words of Beaver Cleaver, you know, he's a rat. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to be the rat, right?
1: No, no. <laughs> and then you see Elizabeth... She's kind of staring. You don't see Jack, but you see when her dad's holding her, she's kind of staring over at Jack. If you kind of look oh, to really? where her eyes are huh. going, she's like staring. I think she's more like amazement that this pirate, he saved me. And you know, her fascination with pirates. That's right. You know, so it's just got this, this, she's just sitting there staring at him.
0: Yeah, he's a pirate and her father and Norrington are against pirates. She has a love for pirates. But even if she didn't have a love for pirates, she I think she would still just with her personality is be trying to to save this guy's life that oh, saved yeah. her yeah. and rescued her. I mean, it just it's just common decency. Right. I mean, unless we're talking we're not going to, you know, we don't want to get into the morals of should some, you know, somebody save somebody and they're like an extreme murderer or just a murderer that yeah. they shouldn't be we caught for that. For no. Something. But He's a pirate and you think that you can just kind of do a wink not a wink wink nod nod and say, just get on your way, as we were talking about.
1: Yeah. And then you have the governor, he's angry at Jack that he disrobed his daughter. Well, he's <laughs> ready to shoot him at that time. That's right. But his face just shows all this anger. You know? <laughs> and then um one more is the way Jack is seems worried about his prized possessions. All his possessions at this point in time, oh, yeah. that's all we know that he owns, you know? That's right.
0: Well, that was all that was on the boat, right. essentially, except that bucket that flo- floated away. Right. And yeah. we don't
1: know if he's got something in some uh, cave somewhere, but this is all Jack owns. Yeah, And it's right. being handed over to Norrington at this point in time. And Jack seems a bit worried about that. Well, you know? that's
0: his way of protection, too.
1: Yeah. And so he kind of puts, him- his, yeah. puts his arms out, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm going to grab that, but thinks better of that because there's how many people around guns pointed at him
0: so we'll see if there's anything to do with the sword the pistols or compass later on (laughs) and why he wants that stuff so bad or is reaching out for it but yeah you're right
1: yeah so that's my my thoughts on the um Looks everybody's giving. The series of looks? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'll just try and have a cool transition here. But the look when they see the pirate brand led me to really want to check out the, you know, did they really brand pirates with a P? Or at least did oh, the yeah. East India Trading Company, you know, do pirate branding? You know, Pirates of the Eastern Seas, which is from 1933, and it was written by Charles Gray, has a mention of a John Naseby, Nicholas Dorrell, and John Reed were branded on the forehead and hand with the letter P for being pirates. So, that's a 1933 book that was written about pirates and has that account in it. But when I was looking, I really couldn't find any reliable evidence that this actually happened besides this one reference. You know, there's many discussions online about this, actually. And every one of those tend to cite the writers who indicated that this happened, but it was not on the arm, but on the forehead. Mm -hmm. So. Essentially, people are talking about it in forums or if they're asking if did they really brand pirates with a P, everybody would then say no it wasn't on the arm, it was on the forehead. And so that's really just coming back to this reference by the Pirates of the Caribbean writers. And so it's not really a fact or a reference that I can cite, or they didn't even fact and so we've heard them talk about the behind the scenes stuff that they said they took some liberties on that and it was on the forehead. But I haven't seen any real big accounts that this actually happened other than that one 1933 book that, that talks that they were branded on that
1: huh. you know, on,
0: on the forehead and on the arm.
1: Well, I guess the East Indian trading company didn't want you to know that they're going around branding people.
0: I don't know. Actually, they, if they did, they, I don't think they cared. Cause I got more information that, that may talk about branding here, oh, okay. which is interesting. And so you know, they didn't really soon. care. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, because it and this is all taking place in a world where slaves were common too. So people of all nations could become slaves through simple bad luck, essentially. And so Captain Jack's P or branded P could be a sign or probably a sign that he had been caught, which we know, say, by the East India Trading Company for in this instance, but was in danger of being sold as a slave by someone again, the East India Trading Company. Who wanted to recoup a little of what Jack maybe had stolen from them. So the idea is that maybe they branded him because they were going to sell him into slavery to recoup that cost of him being a pirate and stealing from the East India Trading Company. The degree of truth behind pirate branding as a punishment may be up for debate. So the idea is that, that the writers thought, wrote in or had a pee put on the forehead. That it would always be looming in the back of people's minds that this Jack Sparrow hero Pirate character, main character, would always have this brand branded P on their forehead, and it was under a scarf. So they opted for the less inaccurate, if I do finger quotes, arm brand. As I mentioned, I was poking around for information. I did find something that seemed rather British and pirate-like, although not necessarily having to do with pirates specifically. It was called the bloody code. And you could just see bloody, mm-hmm. you know, is a British term. Yeah. And then they had the bloody code because... Basically, it was a list of more than 200 separate capital offenses to which a guilty verdict could send someone to the gallows. Although many apparently receive lesser sentences for more minor infractions. And like I said, it's over 200 items long, which I'm sure you hit at least 25 of these before breakfast, Heather.
1: (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, trust me. You're hitting at least maybe even 30 of these bloody code offenses that could send you to the gallows. But I won't turn you in. Thank you. How this ties into the branding is that, well, this, by the way, from the official, this is from the official British library. So there is a good reference with this, is that criminals convicted of lesser crimes could receive punishment in the form of branding on the hand by a hot iron. So maybe something to this whole, there is something to this whole P, you know, branded P thing. But piracy was definitely not considered one of the lesser crimes. It was on the, you know, a bigger Those crime. the
1: hanging crimes.
0: Yeah. The death penalty in Britain was abolished for murder in 1965. Although it was not until 1998 that the government abolished it for treason and piracy when it passed the Crime and Disorder Act. So it just shows you where on the list this piracy was. Yeah, it's hard to say what really happened here you know, is that fact? Is it not? There is definitely a lot of debate on the internet and and with different forums and things like that. People really talking about it. And like I said, I tried to look for it in books and things and didn't really see it. But there is a thing about branding. They huh. did it for slaves and they did it for lesser crimes. So it was something out there. So it's not unheard of. But for pirates, you know, it, it's hard to say. Yeah. And actually, since we were talking about the East India Trading Company, I thought that was pretty cool. Is that it? was chartered as the Governor and Company of Merchants of London trading into the East Indies. And the company rose to account for half of the world's trade at one time. And it was particularly in basic commodities, including cotton, silk, indigo, salt, and saltpeter, tea, and opium. The company also ruled the beginnings of the British Empire in India. And it was founded in 1600 and was dissolved in 1874. So it had quite a lengthy lifespan and was the big deal back then, which wow. is why you see... Them talking about the East India Company and trading and all that. And the East India Company does have a lot of play in the future films, if you will.
1: Are you giving us clues to the future movies?
0: It's just talking about East India Trading Company. Oh, no specifics okay. there, no spoilers. Okay. And then also, I, I we really didn't talk about the tattoo. Oh, no. You know, do you see Jack's tattoo in this. And originally, this was a mark of... Well, I guess I should say, you know, we've talked about some tattoos before. And so although there are accounts of sailors and pirates being well inked, if we want to say that, especially those who had lived among Native Americans, Africans, or from certain parts of the Mediterranean or the East, that tattoo as a definite part of this kind of maritime culture or pirate culture probably didn't really exist until they started visiting Polynesia in the late 18th century. But we do know that pirates did and other people did have tattoos. And we do see that Jack visited Singapore, as he said earlier, so perhaps this fits in or, you know, he was just one of the minority pirates at the time who actually had a tattoo. But it wasn't something that every pirate had that we kind of have that in our romanticized version of pirates, if we want to call it that. I was also looking at the sparrow tattoo that is on Jack's arm and, you know, it really bared a lot of similarities to maritime swallow tattoos that are out there, at least the ones that I saw. And so I started looking into what is the significance of this swallow or sparrow tattoo. And, and swallows came up. I didn't really find anything for sparrows. Swallows, originally this was a mark of having committed to become a sailor or or that you've gone to sea. Since anyone becoming a member of the crew would expect to serve a year or more. So today it is reserved for someone who has sailed more than 5,000 nautical miles. In addition, if a sailor was drowned, it was said that the swallow would carry his soul up to heaven. Oh, wow. Really? So I think that kind of plays in with Jack's, you know, freedom and and love for being kind of a free pirate and, you know, a free spirit, if you will. So and and I know we have some stuff later on that we can hold, you know, regarding why they named him Sparrow and all those things. But, you know, I I really don't have anything more than that. So if you have some stuff, now's the time to throw it in.
1: The feathers. Did you notice the feathers on Norrington's hat and on um, Governor Swan's hat?
0: I did not.
1: Of Norrington's hat. The inside of it on the top is kind of all filled with white flower, white feathers.
0: Huh. You were going to say flowers there. What were you doing with <laughs> those guys? I have no
1: clue. And then Governor Swans was blue. So I found that kind of interesting. Uh, Nobody else had feathers in their hat.
0: Probably because of the status maybe of them. Maybe. maybe. You know, Commodore and a governor, they really wanted to stand out.
1: And And how do you, I mean, I would think it's hard to keep them there. They blow away.
0: Well, that's you better than flowers. You'd have to to do every day. <laughs> you know, you need fresh ones. It's like, hey, Commodore, your flowers are wilting, <laughs> <laughs> or you got dried you ones. Can
1: string them in. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I just wanted to note their feathers. Yeah,
0: I remember reading something in the Bennerson little book about piracy in the Golden Age, and I, you know, I really have to get a reference for that to get to see exactly what he said. But he, you know, he did mention that you know pirates would have it wasn't uncommon, if you will, for people to have feathers in their hats. So it's it is there is some basis for that for sure. It's
1: like the whole top of their hat is filled with feathers, though. huh?
0: You know this. I guess it
1: adds to the pomp and cir- circumstance. circumstance.
0: Well, we, you know, it fits in with the theme too. We have Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow. We have Elizabeth Swan. Oh. So they want to be, you know, well they Governor want, Swan, but yeah. they also want to be bird-like. So <laughs> that's probably what Everybody it is.
1: Everybody wants to be bird-like. Yep. That's all I have for this minute.
0: All right. So. Thanks again to Jason Strickland for the question. And if you have anything that you want to ask, have us tackle on the show as much as possible, definitely send us a note on social media, or you can hit us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. Other than that, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 19 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horse swoggling to a minimum. Hey, six, for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash Men. And on soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.